0: Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy and what a delight to be with you on this Friday, October the 23rd of 2020. We'd like to welcome all of our listeners wherever you are tuning in from. Thank you for setting uh, time to be with us on this Friday as we get ready to go into the weekend. And uh, we have definitely been on a ride on a journey in the book of Acts and Uh, And I would just will be honest uh, with you, I I don't think I've ever, ever had a study like this uh, and the level that we have studied this. And I I say this humbly, but I say this with all my heart as a student of the Word. As a student of the Word, God has really showed us amazing things in these last uh, podcasts. I think we've done about 10 or more podcasts on this series on the book of Acts. And I pray that you have been blessed just as we have been blessed. And I know today God has something fresh and new for us. Today in our panel, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, it is a privilege and honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, on this Friday, as we get ready to go into the weekend, I know God has something fresh for us today. And I'll leave it with you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God. Together,
1: well, praise the Lord! We've come to uh, the conclusion of another week. We've been studying, as Brother Jeremy said, uh, our our series entitled "Paul in Athens," uh, which, like we talked about yesterday, we were intending to actually just conclude a, a Friday. I think it's two weeks ago now. Uh, Was exploring Paul's sermon that he gave to the to the city of Athens, and uh, we never really got to the to the sermon yet. Uh, the Holy Spirit, we believe humbly so, led us back to uh, to look at some things at, at the birth of the church and what it brought about, uh, the, the commission, the calling of the great apostles uh, and, and the great apostle to the Gentiles, in particular, the apostle Paul. And so we have covered to this point about almost 16 chapters of the book of Acts, by no means doing an exhaustive study, but. Uh, yet gleaning much information as the Holy Spirit has been bringing to our attention. Uh, And in podcast number, well, I think today begins podcast number 11 in this series. We're going to endeavor to conclude the 16th chapter as we journey with Paul to Athens. We're getting closer. We're closing in on uh, the end of his second missionary journey uh, as he's uh, heading to Thessalonica, then Berea, and we will arrive in Athens. Uh, more than likely on uh, on monday and uh, we want to continue to go forward and devote ourselves uh to exploring the truths that the, the spirit of god brings to us and and so uh with that in mind uh we're going to explore the third event that took place in acts chapter 16 uh which would culminate uh, with with uh with paul then leaving and heading off to uh thessalonica but we'll 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 pick that up on Monday morning but uh Lord willing but today we're going to come to you uh beginning our scripture reading if brother Jeremy would read to us um let's see here in verse 25 of Acts chapter 16 can you read the the 25th verse to us brother Jeremy 25 and 26 if you don't mind and uh, we'll begin our study we we encourage you to pull up uh, a chair and grab your bibles and uh, and explore with us uh, in Paul's journey to Athens as we begin today's study in Jesus' name. But Jeremy, would you mind reading that to us?
0: Amen. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Praise God. So at midnight, Paul and Silas, we're
1: going to be looking at this third event in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16. And uh, as we've been doing over the last two days, we've actually gone into a a deeper look at the things that the Holy Spirit has included in these in these telling of the historical events of Acts chapter 16. Uh, But as we begin, you know, again, a a transition occurred in church history. And uh, beginning his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul, you know, he parted ways with Barnabas, as we've discussed at length. And yet, as we've seen, all these events were completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. And as we entered Acts chapter 16, again, the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, we saw that Paul chose for the first time his own ministry team, the Holy Spirit having Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways in church history at that point. Paul then is left to his own um, choice making. In many ways, you know, Barnabas was was really his mentor we're told in the book of acts as we looked at when paul uh, became um, a a convert to the lord jesus christ on his road to damascus experience i think that's acts chapter uh, nine um, we're told that when paul um, was healed and 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 straightway began to preach the gospel that barnabas actually took him and brought him to to the believers in Jerusalem and they were completely afraid of him because he was the one who had been persecuting the church so in many ways the beginning of Paul's journey uh in and fellowship with the believers uh was initiated uh by Barnabas and so when we look at it from that perspective uh and as we later looked in our studies we saw that when the church was being born in antioch after 13 years uh, of of the holy spirit uh teaching paul and you can read about that in the book of galatians as he gives his his resume if you will as to how the holy spirit began to deal with him uh over a 13 year period pouring into him much of what would be the the uh the understanding of what we call the new testament paul having written 14 books of the new testament but Barnabas goes to get him as we saw and brings him to Antioch. So again, Barnabas is used of the Lord to initiate uh Paul's ministry uh, being brought to, to 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 different levels. And he brings him to Antioch where he spends a year with, with Barnabas and uh and then they they part at the direction of the Holy Spirit. They they're called uh for service on the missionary field, and that would be Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey Paul's first missionary journey. So when we get to the second missionary journey which we've been exploring here in Acts chapter 16 it's after many many years of of uh of Paul and Barnabas being Barnabas being in fellowship uh and and really somewhere between uh about 13 years or so 14 years uh a little bit more than that uh Paul and Barnabas divide and go their separate ways. And so what that did in essence was elevate Paul again into a different position as it pertains to him being a leader uh within the church and the Holy Spirit's taking him into a new level. Uh and and now he's making decisions and and the first thing that he did was choose his ministry partner. And he chose Silas, uh, a prophet the Bible calls him. So he he valued the prophetic voice and the prophetic calling, and also he chose in Acts chapter sixteen verse one where though the disciple Timothy, and so immediately we begin to see that in Acts chapter sixteen, as we've discussed, that the intensity of the Holy Spirit's guidance uh, begins to emerge, and, and the tone of of Paul's calling, and Silas and Timothy and the and the events that we've been looking at. Uh, which are introduced to us in Acts chapter 16, it begins to change the tone of how the Spirit begins to deal with the Apostle Paul and how he leads him. It becomes much more intense. In Acts chapter 16, like we said, we saw three events are recorded. And in those events, we came to find that seeking the direction of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, it's very interesting uh, the way that, that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, records how the Spirit began to interact with them. And as we've been talking, there are many ways uh, that we can glean uh, from the events, from the stories, from the way that the Holy Spirit was dealing uh, with his church in the early days. But there's also uh greater understanding that must be given as we mature in our understanding of how the Holy Spirit works and how he speaks. And indeed, what Peter said, that all scripture is given to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we kicked it up to another level as we began to explore what Acts chapter 16 actually reveals. While the historical events are accurately portrayed, how they're portrayed, seems to indicate and and in many ways triggers a a, a desired response by the Holy Spirit within us to look a little deeper, which is what we've been doing. And so there's three events that are recorded in the book of Acts chapter 16. And what we were told was that seeking direction, the Apostle Paul was given, as we saw, a vision in the night. He sees a man uh, in Macedonia, and he cries to the Apostle Paul in the vision uh, with with a loud cry, come and help us, come help us. Now, this is interesting uh, to me, and it's very unusual uh, when the vision finally comes, uh, leading them on their journey because like we said the holy spirit arrested them they had intended to go into greater asia but they were they were forbidden by the holy spirit acts chapter 16 verse 6. and then so they tried to go to bithynia in acts chapter 16 verse 7 and you'll read there where it says that they they were not allowed to go even to bithynia so what we see is that the holy spirit is moving in order to bring them into a particular direction and geographical location that he wants them uh, to be at. You know, I've been debating on 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 <laughs> uh, how to relate this, how to teach these things, and 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 to take them a little bit deeper for our understanding of how the Spirit of God actually uh, expresses Himself. Because many times, what we witness in in the history of a story um you know we we seem to pass over it and in so doing do ourselves a disservice in that there are multiple layers of wisdom guidance and and truly prophetic direction and insight that the holy spirit seeks to reveal in scripture so while there's a plain surface understanding that we can glean from the scriptures there's also deeper levels of understanding as the Holy Spirit speaks and the way He speaks. Now, so when when this man cries, "Help us," as we read in uh, in, in verse nine, I believe it is, um, it it begins to to for me it's unusual because He could have simply said in the vision, "Come over here and preach the gospel to us." But he didn't say that. Can you read that to us by Jeremy in verse uh, 9 concerning that vision Paul had?
0: Yes. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us.
1: So it's a very interesting way that the Holy Spirit brought this vision about um, to two. Uh, the Apostle Paul, because these were the specific instructions and directions they had been waiting for, for days. So once he has a vision, Luke begins to record things in very descriptive and pointed ways. So up until this point, they've been being led by that inner witness in their spirit, spirit to spirit. But when we actually see the precise direction given, it's given in a vision. And and because of this, it is meant to cause us to, okay, let's pay attention here and see if there's something that's trying to be set. Now, the vision is a night vision. And when you compare scriptures with scriptures and, and the way that, that God talks to us, we, we can look at certain descriptive terms and begin to at least try to apply the understanding of, of a prophetic nature. So, while we glean from the surface event, we also must be led of the Spirit to look deeper to find the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, we're alerted by that in our interpretation of Scripture that something uh, beneath the surface, quite possibly, is being uh, revealed here in the way the Scripture's uh, historical uh, account of these events that are about to follow are recorded. And so when we look at these things, these are symbolic and, and, and descriptive words that are meant to take our spirit in a direction that reveals prophetic understanding. So it was interesting to me that how he sees it is in a vision. And secondly, it's in the night. So it sets the tone for what he actually says, this man in the vision, which is help us. He could have said a whole bunch of other things, but he says, help us. And so what is, what's of note to the student of the word of God, like we said, are the specific details that emerge in the historical narrative that follows. And looking from the point of view of prophecy, suddenly we begin to see uh, that concealed influence of end-time events, and, and we find it veiled in the description of history itself you might have to rewind that and hear that again (laughs) but but we just gave you an enormous amount of keys uh for biblical um exegesis as well as biblical revelation so what is it that we see all right let's go on from there Uh, chapter 16 you know it, it contains three specific events the first one is again what we were just talking about the guidance of the holy spirit and 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 his direction as to which way were, they were to go. So the very first event that we come to after the direction is given is their arrival in Macedonia in the city of Philippi. And in the city of Philippi, they have a meeting with a certain woman whose name is Lydia, and they end up at the conclusion of this event, this first event uh, that's recorded dwelling in her house. The second event that then transitions out of that first uh, historical narrative is the uh, emerging of what we studied yesterday, which is the damsel with the spirit of divination, right? We talked about her. And then the third event that comes right after her is what Brother Jeremy started our study out with today, which is the midnight incident, (laughs) Paul and Silas in jail. and and our attention is drawn to midnight. So really what we've discovered is a pattern, a prophetic pattern that that is beginning to emerge uh, that is both a true account of these actual events we've been talking about, and yet at the same time, uh, the actual events foreshadow prophecy concerning end-time events as revealed and connected to the book of Revelation. Now, I know for some
2: of you just... Yes, sir, go ahead. Um, What we're talking about here is the divine uh, construction of Scripture by the Holy Spirit. Uh, And one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit that uh, he wants to teach us in is concerning things to come. That's what Jesus said he would do. Mm right he said when when he comes, he will show you things that are to come, so what what we're reading here is you know, because we can fall into the trap and, and there's nothing wrong with it. We can read this story and and take the practicality from it, the practical things and and see it as a triumphal story of the gospel spreading and and a new convert uh being brought. To, to to the kingdom of God, right, uh, of Lydia. Yeah. And, yes, it has everything to do with that. But remember, if we understand who the Holy Spirit is by design, by uh, 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 construct, he is also leaving in there, in this story, um, uh, information, prophecy, concerning the end times, the times that we are living in. And I guess the question is why does he do that right <laughs> it, 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 yeah. why does he do it like that why 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 does he why does he look to to leave a, a trail almost like you know to to kind of uh uh stir the heart of the believer to go on a indiana jones kind of search right <laughs> for right. The prophetic right. things in 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 scripture and 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 in and, and all the scriptures like that, right? So I think Psalm seventy four says it, 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 that it, that scripture is a parable. Yeah. Right. It's dark sayings. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's it's written in such a way that in it is hidden things that are not seen, uh, you know, by by the carnal eye, uh, but it's mm-hmm. there. It's there. Yeah. But we got to dig in, and that's what we're doing. So we're we're. There is layers upon layers. You spoke about revelation being like an onion. You know, it's just a layer upon layers upon layers. And yeah. so, in this story, we 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 are seeing also uh, prophecy concerning us in the end times.
1: That's good, and and that's exactly right. You know, uh, you you referenced uh, you know what the what what the spirit one of his functions is, right, brother Jeremy? Can you read? Uh, to us, uh, John chapter sixteen, and what Brother Fernando was just referencing there is, is very, very good. Um, John chapter sixteen, verse
0: verse twelve
1: and through
0: fourteen. Could you read that to us? Yes, yes a good scripture. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now how be it when the when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you
1: amen and and that's that's the lord himself giving us a key concerning how the holy spirit functions in his relationship with us individually and collectively as the church here he's telling his apostles on the night before he's betrayed and or the night he was betrayed and then he would subsequently uh give himself as a sacrifice on calvary just a few hours from this he said that that he had many things that that he wanted to say to them but he says that their capacity to receive it uh they, they, they didn't yet possess that capacity he said you can't bear them now you're not able to hear uh how i really want to talk to you at deeper level he says however in verse 13 he's going to send the holy spirit of truth to us and he uses these phrases uh when he's come he's going to guide you into all truth he will not draw attention to himself what he hears, he'll speak, and like Brother Fernando was just pointing out, he will reveal or show you the future, things that are yet to come. This is the spirit of prophecy, and these are the keys that we apply to biblical interpretation, knowing what the Lord said concerning the levels of what he wanted to communicate to us. Now, what we are doing, and in these last three podcasts in particular, is going much, much deeper and speaking very spiritually to those that have ears to hear. Those of you who have been with us for the last eight months, I know that you follow right along now, uh, but there are those that have just joined us that some of these things will be hard to understand precisely because uh, we haven't been properly trained in how to uh, to glean uh, the prophetic uh, import of how scripture is constructed and what it is that Jesus is trying to say. Brother Fernando asked an excellent question. Why does he do it this way? Well, there was a time when the Lord, you know, in in in, in talking about things, once said, um, and I don't remember exactly where that scripture is right now, but he said, do not cast your pearls <laughs> before swine. Uh, which is to a Jewish mind, what he was literally saying was don't take what is valuable and give it to that which is unclean. And so there are many people that will seek to to be in the Word of God, yet not be able to take the valuable nuggets out of what it is that, that the Spirit is expressing to us if we're not in the proper position relationally with God. And so it is done that way precisely uh, to, to guard and to protect the information that's being disseminated or communicated, uh, from the Heavenly Father Himself. Many times you'll read in the book of, of the New Testament descriptive terms concerning the will of God, the eternal purpose of God, the deeper meaning behind all things. Now here's the part that I <laughs> that I wasn't going to go to but I know I feel like maybe I should cuz I studied it earlier this morning again as as the spirit led me. Brother Jeremy, could you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1? And I'd like you to read a, to us verse 9 through 11. And and, and we're going to try and and talk a little bit before we get into the rest of this study today uh about about why we look at things the way that we do. Could you could you read that to us in 1 Peter? Chapter 9, I mean, excuse me, chapter 1, verse uh, 9 through 11. Listen to what Peter says. Wait a minute. Listen to what Peter
2: says. Go ahead, brother.
1: I was just going to say, listen to what Peter says concerning the prophets. And what were you going to say, brother uh, uh, Fernando?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's going to go in line with what you say. Uh, The the, the listener needs to understand this, that the apostle Paul, Could not understand the New Covenant unless he had these keys or the ability to understand the Old Testament the same way we are studying this very story.
1: That's true. Mm -hmm.
2: Right? He had to understand that in the Old Testament was hidden prophecy concerning Christ. Then he was able to interpret or uh, understand the revelation of the New Testament.
1: Mhm.
2: So we're basically doing what he is—he did, and he—he—he he, he is the one that gave us a key to understanding Scripture, right? And, and yeah. uh, I think First Corinthians chapter ten, he says that all these things happen unto them, right? uh For for in our rent for our admonition, our admonition to whom the ends of the worlds are come. So he gave us a key of how to interpret Scripture, and he is speaking to an end time generation. That would need understanding to understand scripture, right? Yes. Yes. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, brother.
1: Okay. No, no. I was just. Li- no, that's good. And, and and you're absolutely right. Uh. It, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and read that, Brother Jeremy, and then I want to
0: add add into what Brother Fernando was just saying. Amen. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand, the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Wow. Okay.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) this is, this is kind of where we're at, uh, what brother Fernando was talking about, what we've been discussing about the spirit And, 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 and what Peter is saying here, uh it, it's really a great mystery and 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 we're going to talk about something uh that that you know just to open up pathways of consideration and and hopefully to assist in the reflective meditation that you apply when you read scripture you know i, I don't fault Uh, You know, when we first get saved and how people like to, you know, I want to read the whole Bible, right? And they'll get one of those calendars and, you know, you read all this and you make your way through the Bible. Excellent. Nothing wrong with that. But now as we grow in the things of the Lord, I mean, you can take one verse and spend a week on it. Really, if if you learn how to meditate and to walk in between, right, walk in between the words, walk in between the letters. That the Holy Spirit compares scripture with scripture. Peter says something incredible here. He talks about <laughs> the salvation of your souls, and I'm just using this as, as, as an example. Right? The salvation of your souls. What is he referring to? He's referring to the that sentient part, that part of us that animates, I call it our vehicle, it's really our body. We know that we have a soul within us because we can see someone breathing. <laughs> it's, that, it's that spark of the divine. And not to sound all new agey, that's not what I mean at all. It's the spark, though, the, from the father of lights, right? The father of Spirits. Peter begins to reveal that what we are involved in is, is the outworking of the preservation of the uniqueness of your own individual personality that part of you that is conscious, the part of you that becomes aware, and when that, that rote of the soul takes place after we're born, uh, you know, some people can go all the way back to their like two years old and remember stuff, right? But when is that when we come out of that infancy state, almost like emerging out of a, a foggy tunnel into the into the into that position of consciousness when we're aware mm-hmm. of our
2: un- unique individual self. Are mm-hmm. you going to
1: say something, brother?
2: No, that's it's a deep thought that you're explaining there. Um that I don't think we 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 think at that level, but it's something that is a transition that takes place in us. Yeah. Right? And, and 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 so it is like in the spirit. Right?
1: Yes that's exactly what we're saying thank you for that right because cause what what when they talk about the salvation of your soul and what they, remember don't lose sight of what we're talking about here why we apply or what we're learning by what is revealed because he goes on to talk about that that particular salvation of the soul in verse 10 uh, that the prophets inquired and also searched diligently about it so there's a there's a twofold component to how they understood what they were writing that it would require uh the inquiry and then and then the searching and and, and it's not just a searching but a diligent search and so keys are given to us in connection to the big question, right? You know, why is all this going on? But but basically Peter's beginning to reveal here uh some very profound things because first he says the salvation of our souls, right, which is really our individual consciousness. It's the unique identity of self, it's the part that flowed from God when he breathed it into Adam and every individual person and every individual personality that would ever live was deposited into the original man we all existed at one time uh within the gene pool of adam and 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 that sentient part that would ultimately be brought into the world at the precise divinely directed time appointed by the father himself but as peter would go on as peter would go on to reveal uh later in his writings right um uh, he 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 talks about uh, uh <laughs> he talks about uh, the salvation that the prophets inquired about he he goes on to talk about in i think it's second peter or is it first peter here oh look what he says cuz we we covered this a few podcasts ago months ago but he talked about that that being born again uh through the power of Christ Jesus is verse four. What is what is verse four say, Brother Jeremy, in chapter one?
0: Oh, verse four, chapter one. It says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you.
1: So what that implies is that when we were born into the natural world of time and space that we were born into a corrupted and decaying reality. It was corrupted, and it was defiled, and it's fading away. And what they are saying to us is that Christ Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, became the instrument by which the Father would ensure that the soul the conscious individual personality, which each and every one of us possess, you know, that, that, that image that's looking at you in the mirror, that's not you, (laughs) you know, the, the real you is what's peering out of your eyes. Uh, That's what's the real you. And the, and, and we were born into a situation where everything is dying. And, and yet, as Peter goes on to talk about, when you become born again, uh, you are now inheriting something that will never fade away. You are born again, in a sense. And so he goes on to talk about that the end of that belief system uh, will be realized in that what God was actually doing and part and parcel, of but a huge part as it relates to humanity and all who will believe the gospel is that the salvation that was worked out was the, was the preservation of you and me of our individual personality. And so my individual essence we need to understand differs from my body and and it is not dissolved by death when I die because I'm merely deposited into a substantive vehicle called my body. That's, that's really what, what's revealed in the scripture. And that in order to preserve that part of me and then attach it to something that will ultimately as well be wrapped in a new body, a heavenly body, um, it necessitated the coming of Christ. Now, for the purpose of our study, <laughs> uh, uh, verse ten says that the the prophets um, they preached about it, but didn't understand fully what they were saying, and so it, it they began to inquire and search diligently about the prophesied uh, grace that 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 would come to us in Christ Jesus, and then he says this. Uh, in verse eleven that they were searching uh what or uh what manner of time the spirit of christ what which was in them did signify now let's just let's just stop there hmm. <laughs> because
0: <Sorry>. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> so, uh, so there was a twofold component here. They were searching uh for what time and they were searching for what would the times be like so that they could identify them. Now
2: Even back then.
1: Yes. And this was done, he says, by the Spirit of Christ which was in them. So let's take this to an even deeper level, because what he's saying, and and the reason I I, I hesitated on going here, because this is really, you know, we can get some, <laughs> we can go down to the deep end of the pool here, but um, he's literally saying that that it necessitated before the coming of the Holy Spirit that Christ Himself would would join the Spirit of Jesus Christ Himself would join Himself to the soul of the Prophet and then express the will of the Father in prophetic utterance into the earth up to and including the very lives that they would live. This is a mystery that God himself would choose a clay vessel created in his own image and and work out the dissemination of his will in the realm of the dimension of time and space and what this implies therefore is that the individual historical narrative and the events that actually took place are far more complex in their in their living out of it than we've ever really taken the time to focus on and meditate on at length but if we do Then we have keys that we can apply when we read the plain sense of the scripture, understanding that it is the spirit of Christ that's moving through the church. In in the Old Testament, it was was the nation of the Jews. In the New Testament, it's the church made up of both Jew and Gentile. But he's expressing himself. That's why we went on in in Ephesians. Can you go over there real quick, brothers? Ephesians chapter uh, 3, I think it is. When Paul goes on to describe this very thing that we're trying to say uh, it he relates to it as a mystery he calls it the fellowship of the mystery and that it was hidden and has always been hidden and and then he says are you there brother Jeremy in uh, Ephesians chapter 3
0: read verse 9 through 11 to us and to make all men See what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose. Which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
1: (laughs) Who talks like that, man? (laughs) That's just incredible what he says there. You know, it's just so incredibly profound what he says there. But notice what he says in verse 9 it's a fellowship of the mystery. That's cool. I love that. The fellowship of the mystery, because Brother Fernando, that's what you were relating when you, when you, when you, uh, you know, were telling us about, uh, you know, the spirit and and how he conceals. See, we can have conversations like this with spiritual people who, who have allowed the Holy Spirit to bring them. We're not trying to be exclusive. It's not like that kind of a thought. It's just that it takes time, and and over a, a lifetime, really. But all along the way, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things. If we spend time with him, if we allow him to teach us and instruct us, then he begins to unlock all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge which are found hidden in Christ our Lord. Paul calls it a fellowship of the mystery. You cannot fellowship with another believer at certain levels if they've never been to those levels. But here he talks about a deep level of fellowship amongst the believers, and he calls it the fellowship of the mystery. And he says that this particular mystery has been hidden uh, from the beginning of the world, or the cosmos, really, in the Greek, which implies the entirety of the universe, which in modern terminology we can talk about as time and space, the enormity of the vastness of the universe. He takes it there. And he says that even before that, you know, astrophysicists tell us and, you know, creationists argue about it. But I mean, they say that it's 14.2 billion years old, as far as they can tell, maybe older. But Paul takes it beyond that and says that that the mystery has its origins before time and space or the universe ever began. And so with that in mind, what Peter was revealing and that the spirit of Christ was prophesying through the prophets Then what we have there is keys to understanding that the scriptures are much more multi-layered, and what is being expressed is mysterious but can be known because that's why we read in John chapter 16, right? Jesus said, look, I got so much I want to tell you, but I can't tell you right now because you ain't ready. You actually need an additional component, which is the will of the Father, and that is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in essence, what that will do is tune your sentient self, your personality, your unique gifted creation, which is you, given to you by the Father. You become like an instrument that now, when merged with the born-again spirit housed by the Holy Spirit, which is what we are meant to be, a habitation of God through the Spirit, we are tuned in like a radio dial. Or like a channel on a satellite dish, we are we are now capable of locking on to the signal. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, and, and he says, "Those who know, it's a fellowship, bro. <laughs> it's a fellowship, and and it's cool, right?" So, so then he goes on to say that, to the intent, he says that his whole intent of having making it happen like this. Is so that you can become a disseminator of information speaking directly in verse 10 to principalities and powers, not just in the natural realm, but in heavenly places. This is incredible. And he says, and he says he, he intends for the collective body of Christ to make known the manifold wisdom of God. So that whether it's a brother preaching in Africa and a church expressing themselves in Africa or China or South America or even here in the West, collectively, uh, the manifold wisdom of God is now being transmitted from the earth into the very heavenly realms themselves. And he says in verse 11, this is the eternal purpose, which he purposed by bringing Christ Jesus our Lord into the earth. This is a work of the spirit and and that's why Peter goes on in first Peter. can you go back there real quick, brother jeremy in first Peter he says uh <laughs> first Peter chapter one that's why Peter says uh something real cool. let me turn it over real quick so I can... he says uh this stuff we're talking about he
0: says uh could you read to his verse 12? unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which stings the angels desire to look into. <laughs>
1: Unreal, man. I mean, it's just incredible what he said there. But notice that the gospel cannot be separated from the Holy Spirit, right? The preaching of the gospel. Yes. He says that the preaching of the gospel has to be connected with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. And when it's preached with the assistance and the control of the Holy Spirit, which has come from heaven, that's what angels desire to look into. He has limited the access of the ultimate dissemination of the counsel and will of God as to how angels receive that information. Mm -hmm. And it has always been his intent and purpose to bring about a glorious church, a family. It is what the enemy tried to usurp and become by leading a rebellion and assuming a position That God had hidden from the beginning of the natural universe itself, that He'd always wanted to bring about His own children, but the enemy thwarted that, in in essence. And I I could go in such a deep direction there as to well, then is God in control or not? Because you know the enemy did what he did, and it seems like God is you know having a counterbalance idea. Then okay, I'll fix it by doing this. No, He's always been in control. But someone would ask, then, what about the question of evil? What about the question of destruction and chaos and corruption and all the madness that we see everywhere? How could that be? Well, we think as humans. We think as people that have had a beginning. So we are created. And we can only relate to things from that perspective unless the Spirit of God reveals it. But everything that is done is done by structure, Foundation and framework of the perfect expression of God, who is perfect. Perfect is not a quality of God. Perfect is God. He is perfect. He's the personification of perfect. Perfect. He's the personification of love. He's 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 perfection personified. He is the Almighty God, and everything that He does is perfect. He could usurp things, derail things, or cause things not to be simply by an act of his will. But in so doing, it would threaten the perfect symmetry and balance of all the things that he does. Because everything must be done in accordance as he determines it in perfection. And there is no shadow of turning there, according to the scriptures. And so if you have an outcome in mind, and in order for it to be beautifully uh, sifted and brought to conclusion in perfection, then it must be done in compliance with established perfect law. And that's what he does. So the the in a sense, for lack of a better way to describe it, um he must allow the possibility though he knows what the outcome will be to exist within whatever scope and dimension he creates to exist knowing what will happen in his infinite wisdom he limits certain aspects creating barriers within the perfected will of god so that no matter what would happen though it had and would happen it would be confined to the limits that he placed on it. It's the very thing that the enemy didn't want to agree to because he had limits. He, he, he wanted no limits. I will be like God. And in so doing, he unleashed something. He became the, uh, the caretaker, if you will, or the owner, really, of, of destruction and decay. He unleashed it, but the very fact that it was unleashed by the highest created being that ever was, it would mean and determine that what would flow out of that, it too would have an ultimate end, but how to deal with it, to extract the power of it, only God could do and that's what he did in Christ. That's why he said in Hebrews chapter mm-hmm. 2 yeah. that right that 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 he said, you know, that's in the so gospel. much that's the gospel exactly. And he said that that in so much that the children were partakers of flesh and blood. We could say in so much that that the children were partakers of time and space, right? Flesh and blood. Uh he himself likewise, notice what it says, took part of the same. Uh because he has no beginning and end, but he chose to identify himself with the children who were partakers of time and space, flesh and blood, and he himself likewise took part of the same. In order for what? Uh, In order that that through his death on the cross, he would destroy him that had the power of death. That's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. So in, in that explanation of scripture that he had the power of death, Then, what we see is is what we are being told by the Holy Spirit is that death itself was a power that was controlled by the devil. But when God spoke to him through Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 28, he called him perfect in the day that he was created. And so he, he reminded him, as the Spirit of Christ spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, you had a beginning. And so everything you control or unleashed had a beginning, and therefore it will have a conclusion, and it will be ultimately dealt with, and that is what Christ did. He stripped him of his power. That's why when we see him appear in Revelation chapter 1, he appears as one declaring the truth that I have the keys of hell and of death. I possess them. I took them legally. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I've gotten so far out there, man, I don't even know how to come back. But <laughs> uh, this is the principle of the Spirit. And and so with that high order of expression, brothers, uh, when he inspires and the scriptures were written, then we must understand, based on what we've been talking about right here, that it is expressed as God expresses things. And therefore, it's its wisdom, it's depths, it's understandings, it's implications, it's profound prophetic declarations. And on and on and on are depths that can never be, uh, you know, uh, arrived at. But, but the joy and the fellowship, Paul calls it, of those mysteries is known by his children. Were
0: you going to say something, Brother Jeremy? oh i'm I'm listening, brother <laughs> <Take a minute.
2: laughs> praise God
0: you know brother uh, um, yeah it, go you ahead. know the the Bible says that the, the disciples you know the the component of the preaching the gospel without the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit Paul likens that to just word or letter, right yeah. it's the component yeah. or if that's the correct word of the Holy Spirit that brings life, and you know even the disciples. They asked Jesus concerning the way he taught in parables, like you know, telling why do you speak in parables? And he tells them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, telling us that it is the desire of God for us to know it, but he conceals it in a way, right? As he tells them, uh because you know, the Pharisees were there and others that the Bible says that they they could see but no that seeing they could see not hearing they hear not and he speaks about uh hearing you shall hear and you shall not understand and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive because their hearts are wax gross right and so god wants to be found but he concealed it in a way that could only be understood by the spirit of god you know as you search these things so i i I think there's a connection there, right? In in what he's about.
1: Absolutely, and that's why he goes it, on.
0: In, are you there still
1: in First Peter, chapter one? Uh yes, I am. So he goes on to say after he says those things that the angels desire to look into. He then he then, uh, like, like a drill sergeant says, okay, knowing what I just told you, he says, verse thirteen. Can you read that?
0: Yes. Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace, hallelujah, that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ.
1: He ties the end of our faith and the salvation of our sentient self, our personalities, Mm -hmm. our mind, our will and emotion. The very thing that he purchased, it will fully be realized, he says, at the second coming of the Lord. And it is one of the reasons that we see the whole world going crazy. The the, the the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more intense the evil and the wickedness and 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 all the hypocrisy, the the blatant in your face lies, the the violence, all of it uh, are expressions or counter expressions of that satanic will that is yet contesting. Though he has no legal authority to it, he is yet contesting what Christ won for us on Calvary and declared to be victorious by the Holy Spirit himself when he rose him from the dead. That's what Paul said to us in in Romans chapter 1. And so he tells us that the end of our salvation in verse 9 is the salvation of our souls. God is protecting his children and 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 hes he protected them precisely by bringing them into time and space and what are you saying? what I'm saying is when we entered into the dimension of the cosmos, when we came into the dimension of time and space deposited into our original father Adam, all God did was he limited what he expressed into Adam. When you go back and study where it says that God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul, Paul later argues that Adam and Christ were two different uh, personalities in, in the way that, that, that things come into being. He said, Adam was a life giving soul or, or, or it was a life giving. soul. he says, but Christ Jesus is a life giving spirit that he causes spirit to be born. When God breathed into Adam, he literally protected his children by not completing them. <laughs> he, he, he breathed into, into Adam every single personality, soul, mind, will, emotion that would ever exist within the gene pool. But in so doing, in his brilliance, He he was protecting all those who he knew in the counsel of his perfection would ultimately respond to the gospel. That's why he could conclude that those who died before Christ died in faith. That's that's Paul's argument. Those who come after look back towards Calvary, and we receive it by faith so that the two become one, so that they without us couldn't be made perfect, he says in Hebrews. But we were protected. It was one of the greatest questions that Nicodemus uh, wondered about. How can I enter into my mother's womb again? Jesus says, no, you're thinking in terms of time and space. You're thinking in terms of the natural realm. He says, the truth of the matter is you're supposed to be a master in Israel, and you don't even know this most basic of things revealed in the Scripture, which I can't fault Master (laughs) Nicodemus, but that's how Jesus talked to him. He says, you've got to be born from above. Yes, you're born into the world, he says, right? Uh, When he says, you know, you're born with your mother uh, in blood and water, I think is how he describes it. But then he says, but then you must be born from above or you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. He was revealing in a very profound way that there was yet something that was to come and that it couldn't come until he goes on to describe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the universe, into the cosmos, into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. The brilliance, and for lack of uh, you know, adequate adjectives, how do you describe the counsel of God, the brilliance of our Heavenly Father, of our Lord Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, in bringing about this magnificent expression of the will of God? And what he's doing and what he's bringing to pass, everything is fading away. That's what Peter said. And we were born into this situation that we had no control over. It was already a pre-existing condition when we came on the scene. All within the understanding and the counsel of God, he knew it would happen. But his ultimate desire was to create a habitation of God through the Spirit by creating a church. And that church would first and initially begin to be formed, as he expressed it on the other side of the flood, through Adam, and then through Abel, and then through Noah, and then through Abraham, and then through Isaac and Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel, where he would begin to deposit and bring forth into the earth his will. There's a mystery here in that it, it, it needs to be recorded, and so the Torah was written. He dictated it to Moses, but wrapped within it were the most marvelous and and intricately designed expressions of the Spirit waiting to be unlocked and only could be unlocked after Jesus Christ came into the earth. And that's what Paul meant when he said that the veil that blocks the mind of the Old Testament is removed in Christ. And so when he came, those who apply Christ, like Brother Fernando was saying earlier, like Paul did, by the Spirit, he began to see what God had hidden. That's why he wrote what we just read, (laughs) the fellowship of this mystery, because as we progress in the revelation of it and we continually meditate on it, there are moments where you know, you'll know you have these great revelatory experiences in the Spirit of God, and my goodness, you see all things clearly. But then life happens to you in the next several minutes, and it's as if it dissipates. But it is why God revealed in His Word that we must, like Peter said here, what the prophets did, search diligently. Diligence is repetition, quality repetition in coming to God. It is the way He designed it. It is the way that he sets it forth for multiple reasons. One of them is is as you diligently do something, you become more proficient in, in the activity that you repeat over and over and over again. Now, with the assistance of the spirit, what you do bec- becomes more refined and sharpened in your ability to to, uh, to glean and to hear and to see what it is that he's trying to say. It is why it's so vital now that this end time church that we find ourselves in become very familiar with what we're talking about. Because we're reaching the conclusion of all things. What makes it difficult for many from generation to generation is their experience is only defined by that, their experience, the experience of the times they live in. But what Paul I mean, what Peter said about the prophets was what they were searching for was not only what time. But the kinds of times, so that the signs of the times would dictate to them when it was that Christ was actually going to reveal himself the first time. And subsequently, Peter is using that argument to say to us, you know, imitate the same behavior of the prophets by the spirit so that you will not only know what time that is the second coming is going to happen, but those who are alive at that time, like Brother Fernando was saying, would understand the manner of the times. That we're nearing his coming, and Paul goes on to say that too is a component of the fellowship, and it's mysterious to the uninitiated amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> so I just I'm blew out. up
0: this Bible study
1: in a way today
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, you, know, it, it, you said something key there, um. Because, again, we, we were talking about the story uh, in Macedonia with uh, Lydia and, and the uh, lady with the Python spirit of divination, right? Um, yes. Again, God is disseminating through that story more information if if we have been trained this way concerning yes. his eternal will. Yes. And that's what that's what we're 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 saying, bringing this, bringing everything back to where we're at. Is mm-hmm. so when we're studying the story, yeah, we're reading a story of of things that are transpiring in the natural. But understanding how the Holy Spirit works, and 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 again, uh, training ourselves the way the Old Testament prophets did to see what was coming in the future, we must also also begin to study Scripture as they did. Yes. Right? As we're looking forward to the second Mm -hmm. coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're we're seeing, that in this story, the Lord is disseminating more information concerning the end times and concerning his coming and who he is coming to and what will transpire at that time. And that's what we've been trying to... uh, as the Holy Spirit has given us grace, because this is only by the grace of God that we're able to see things like this, right? Amen. And, it, and, it's given, yeah. and it's given to his children. Now, something something so incredible here that said, that if I'm reading it correctly, that this grace was given to individuals in the Old Testament, Yes.
1: right? right.
2: Uh, to yes. the prophet, to to this grace was given to them. And, then, and, and all they could do is ask questions mm-hmm. about what was coming, Now, today, we have the full uh, eternal plan of God because why? Jesus came and died on the cross, which now forces the Spirit of God without measure in the sense that the revelation of Jesus Christ is disseminated unto the church, but to a church that is searching, as the prophets of old did. And you have available past present and future without limit if we will search for it
0: that's excellent yes that's
1: exactly right <laughs> and and uh you made me think while you were talking there uh, exactly what uh the lord was putting forth as an argument um uh, to the pharisees he revealed something very uh, precisely there that's that's extraordinary and and it goes along with what we're we're talking about here. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, brother Jeremy, can you turn over to uh to the Gospel of Saint John? Uh verse uh, chapter eight I think it is. Let me take a look here. Uh <clears throat> yeah, chapter eight. This is in 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 line here. Let's let's take a look at this. Um Read to us verse 31 and and, uh,
0: and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, this angered them. But they had no
1: clue what he was talking about. But we have to ask ourselves, we know that he is the truth, but out of him flows the will of God. And when we know it, he says, You're free. And and what does he mean by free? From the prison of your mind, from the prison of your 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 confined, uh limited understanding of what life is what existence is right right, and so they didn't get it right and they responded in verse 33 by saying what brother 33
0: it says they answered him we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man how sayest thou ye shall be made free
1: and then he takes it to another level and begins to, un- uh, to address the energy and effects and fruit of something he calls sin. Read that to us in 34 and uh, through 36, would you?
0: Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided ever. ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed.
1: So to put it in modern language, he's telling them you are shackled to a reality that is tied to a fading, decayed, corrupted existence. It's done. It's over. And you were born into it. I've come to set you free from that and to break the power of it. But you don't recognize it. Because my word has no place in you, you're still viewing things as they went on to say, right? We're, we're Abraham's seed. We've never been. <laughs> how do you? How? What do you mean? We'll be free? We are free. No, he says you don't get it. Uh, you're the servant of a pre-existing master. You were born into a plantation <laughs> called the fallen world, and you were ruled by well, the master of the house. His name is the devil, right? And, and he says, uh, right? he says you're not free. You're you're a slave, and I've come to set the whole thing free, if you can see it. And and then he says, uh, they answered him in verse 39, because he says, I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen with your father. What did they say to him in verse 39? They
0: answered answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children you would do the works of abraham right and and and
1: then uh, so they, they 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 don't get or understand what he's saying and and, uh, and and he says you're not really of of abraham at all and then he asks them this uh, in verse 43 and says something to them
0: in verse 44 can you read that why do ye not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my words Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it.
1: And because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me, because you're of, of, of the devil. And, and notice he uses the the procreative term he, he, uh, uh, in describing the devil. He calls him a father of something, the progenitor, the originator of lies and deceit and murder. He is the the caretaker and the possessor of it. He uses that descriptive language. It it flowed out of him. And and then he goes on and, and as he begins to describe a certain things. Uh, she says something really fascinating about Father Abraham uh, in, in that he says in verse 55 uh, through 56. Can you read that?
0: Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And it was glad.
1: And that's what we were getting to, amongst other things we've been discussing, because it's what Brother Fernando's talking about. The, the the depths of Scripture and how they are meant to be seen by the Spirit. What Jesus just revealed here is, is is incredible, because he said that Father Abraham, who lived like, you know, 2,000 years before Jesus walked the earth, he said he saw my day. He saw me, and he was glad. How did he see him? He looked into the depth of what he was doing, the Bible says that when God asked him to uh to prove his faith, basically by offering his only son Isaac, the Bible tells us that uh that he saw the Lord and he understood it, and that when if necessary, he said, I'll go the extra mile if I need to offer him, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he received Isaac resurrected out of the ashes and so when when uh, when when jesus says he saw my day that is the principle that we're talking about here this is by the spirit so that a natural event the offering of isaac actually became something far deeper that was revealed to him right there and that's what jesus was saying that abraham saw something far more deep and far more profound. In what we call now a historical story, right? The offering of Isaac. He said, He saw my day and he was glad. It is the same principle that we're using when we apply scripture. We look beyond the 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 plain sense of what is before us, not to ignore the, the truths that are that that are much necessary just in our everyday walk and personality, but we go deeper into what it is the Holy Spirit is revealing to us in the very historical act itself, or event, or whatever the situation might might be. And then Jesus goes and says, uh, read verse 57
0: through 59, Brother Jeremy. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by.
1: Notice, uh, they they sought to to, to stone him and, and hurt him. But it's very fascinating because, first of all, he identifies himself as God. I am, right? Uh, I'm before okay. Abraham ever was. And then the second thing is that he concealed himself, walking right in the middle of them, and they couldn't see him. It is that same principle. He reveals himself, whether we understand it or not, uh, are there any factors there? But if, if, we in, if we are not where we need to be, like this church of the Jews at that time, were, then what we see the principle is he hides himself. They can't see him. And, and he leaves the temple. So we're talking about some very deep things here today. But we pray, you know, in, in the conclusion of the matter, really, is simply walk with the Spirit of God. Because he, he is the spirit of prophecy. He is the testifier uh, to us of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the, the marvelous and magnificent things that are revealed in his word and concealed in his word. I love the term Paul used, the fellowship of the mystery, because what God is doing right now is assembling a church, a mystical body of Christ. You can't define it as being over here or over there or on that corner or, you know, in that building. It's made up of an of, of innumerable host of Jew and Gentile, marvelously woven together into a tapestry that reflects the eternal purpose And declares the eternal will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and and Peter says use that understanding of the Holy Spirit moving through you speaking through you teaching you guiding you comforting you uh, to, to be developed by him and especially now more than ever we're going to need like we started out this study today to follow the leading of his spirit uh, especially as the times and the days that are just ahead of us continue to to uh you know to get even more crazy, but <clears throat> we 'll pick it up again here from Monday because we're going to finish out the sixteenth chapter, and it 's with all that that we laid a foundation today that we hope you take those principles and apply them to your own Bible study, ask him to reveal to you the things that he needs to reveal to you. I like what Brother Jacob Prash says, and I've quoted it many times. He says, you know, prayer is us talking to God, but but reading his word is God talking back to us. And as we read that the great apostle Peter said that the gospel is preached with the Holy Spirit. And when it is, the kind of information that is gleaned and heard is the very substance of the things that even the angels themselves want to learn. This is a marvelous thing. And so as we go into the 16th chapter, again, what we're going to see as we concluded on Monday, Lord willing, is 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 the pattern hidden there, which really portrays, and I know this will sound crazy, but it's the entirety of the unfolding uh, prophecies in the book of Revelation. And we'll see that even more clearly uh, as we continue to journey toward Athens and the great apostle Paul's message that he will give there uh not too many days from now (laughs) as we go forward praise the lord i hope you were inspired somehow or at least provoked somehow in our in our conversation today our heart and our desire is always uh, to glorify the lord jesus christ because he alone is worthy he is god he is the savior the king the lord of glory and he's coming soon and so until Monday, we pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Hug your children. Pray for your loved ones. Be good to one another. And 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 we pray most of all that you'll find time uh, to take uh, and set aside uh, that quiet time where you can let the Spirit of God reveal Christ to you. We love you with all our hearts. We'll see you again on Monday, and uh, and we look forward uh, to continuing our study in Paul's journey in the book of Acts to the great city
0: of Athens. Brother Jeremy? Amen. May God bless you and may God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.